Lord, we just give this morning to you. And Lord, so often in our busy schedules, we don't often pause just to be before you. So I thank you for just an opportunity here in these last 45 to a minute, 45 seconds, to just be before you and to intentionally pray for that one person in our life, maybe that one or two people in our lives that need to know you. And Lord, today as we look through your scripture, I pray that we are encouraged, Lord, that we are strengthened, that we are uh, empowered, if you will, this morning in the hope and the joy and the truth of knowing that your Holy Spirit is with us in this journey, in this conversation, in this time of pursuing our one. So Lord, this morning as we dive into your word, we just give these next little bit to you. May there be something that speaks to us. May there be something that rings in our ears that uh, just brings life and encouragement to us. And Lord, we thank you for your word and the truth of your word. And Lord, we thank you for the truth of how your Holy Spirit began to move in the book of Acts. And Lord, the gift that you gave us, each as a believer of the Holy Spirit, and Lord, the power that comes with that. And Lord, may we just sit in that as we pray over and we look to, and even in these next weeks, Lord, we, we just maybe examine opportunities to share the truth of who you are with those around us. And Lord, for those who perhaps this is their first day back into this series or this is the first time they've heard of a one, Lord, I pray that in that you will just bring to light the person in our life who maybe we need to step into this role with them. Lord, that we need to have this conversation with them and we need to sit down with them. And Lord, I'm just looking forward to what's going to come from this. Lord, salvations, baptisms, new believers, in our fellowship and in our family. And Lord, we just thank you so much for all that you're doing and the work that you're doing even now. Lord, we praise you and we just give this time to you as we dive into your word. And we pray all these things in your son's awesome and powerful name. Amen. All right. Well, today we are flipping our service, all right? And the teaching is on the front end. Of course, who would know that there was a power pole down and all that fun stuff, right? But we're glad that you're here. And uh, again, just to clarify, we are stepping into this new series. Matt did a great job last week of kicking it off, right? Gave us an intro to the book of Acts, gave us an intro to Luke and who he is as the writer of the book of Acts. And we're going to be in the book of Acts today if you want to go ahead and start turning there. Uh, but here's the fun thing is that we introduced this, this question, really, of who's your one, right? And so... Uh, again, you may not fully, you, maybe you weren't here last week or maybe you've never heard that term, but again, understand that it's in the form of a question, right? There's a question mark there at the end because we as a church want to encourage each other of this question of who is your one? Like who is the one person that you are praying for that they perhaps would come to know Christ in the weeks and months ahead? Right, This person that you feel like the Lord is laying on your heart and on your life that maybe needs to know the truth of Jesus and who he is. And so in that, now there's maybe this hope by the end of this series that if somebody uh, down the pew or in front of you or wherever comes up and asks you the question, who's your one, that you can quickly rattle off a name of the person that you've been praying for. You see? And so the idea is if each and every one of us had one how that would multiply not only the church, but it would grow and multiply the kingdom, 
right? And so we're not all about filling seats. What we're about is filling seats in the kingdom of heaven. And so from there, this is this opportunity in this idea of, okay, who is your one, all right? And so hopefully you've started praying for that particular person. Maybe you, as soon as we started talking about this last week, you were like, I know who my person is, right? And here's the, here's the hard thing with that, is that that person is more than likely someone that you deeply love and you deeply care for. You may even sit across the table from them each Thanksgiving or each Christmas, right? Like you may be with them each and every day in your workplace, but they are someone that you love, right? But your love for them is what's driving you for them to be, in fact, your one. Does that make sense? Yeah? All right. So today we're going to kind of pick up right where Matt left off last week, and we're going to jump into Acts chapter one, verse four. All right. And here we go. All right. While he, while he was together with them, he being Jesus, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the father's promise. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? Oh, the disciples. Verse 7, he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Man, there is some powerful things that Jesus just said in those scriptures, right? Like there are some powerful things that he has just given to his disciples. Ultimately, the short version is this. The Holy Spirit is coming. He's going to come upon you, and you are going to be the ones that's going to take my message to the rest of the world. It's going to start with you. Can you imagine that for just a moment? Like, wow, okay, that's a lot. But then, as the disciples always do, they ask this great question in the middle of it that really has nothing to do, it kind of does, but has nothing to do with what they're talking about, right? And so, have you ever been like teaching a group of kids, uh, or like even a group of people, maybe adults, and you're talking about something, and then somebody just asks this random question, right? And so I was thinking through this, and I was reminded of a time where I was sitting, and I was teaching Vacation Bible School, which is like this summer program for kids, right? And so I was teaching these kids. I was super, they're like super engaged. They're all nodding their heads. They're like, yeah, yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm energetic because they're kids, and I'm energetic, you know? Anyway, so I'm teaching them, and then I get to the end, and this kid raises her hand. She goes, Mr. Ray, Mr. Ray. And I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a great theological, you know, deep theological question she's about to ask, right? She goes, Mr. Ray, are your shoes really green? I'm like, yep, they're really green, you know? But like, she wasn't even thinking at all about what we were talking about. And the disciples maybe in this moment are not that bad, right? But close, because they are not even in the same ballpark as Jesus and what he's saying here. And so, again, he's talking about the Father's promise, right? The Father's promise. The Holy Spirit is coming. Get excited about that. You're going to be a part of it. He's going to come upon you. You're going to wait here for him. And then they're like, and so you're restoring the kingdom. They're like, Jesus is just like, no, right? Like, no, no wonder he just ascends here in the next few moments, right? Like, he's like, I'm done with you. I'm out. Because it's a crazy question that they've asked. But again... 
Here's the thing. They have this misguided question, and, but Jesus restores the conversation, right? Because all through the Gospels, Jesus is talking about this kingdom that he's going to build, this kingdom he's going to create, this kingdom he was going to prepare and build. And so they're thinking, oh, wow, okay, so he's done the thing, right? He's resurrected, and now we're, we're, we're starting this thing, the kingdom that he's been starting and talking about. We're going to get to sit at his right hand and do these awesome things. And so they're still thinking earthly kingdom, right? Earthly kingdom. And Jesus is going, no, 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 look, heavenly kingdom is where this is all about. This is what I'm talking about. And so his answer shows us that they're just kind of in this completely different place. Because Jesus is now talking about what the Holy Spirit is going to do. Not necessarily what he is going to do, but what the Holy Spirit is going to do. It's, you see, it's this passing of the baton, if you will, to now the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The Holy Spirit is going to guide you. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you just as I have over these past three years. The Holy Spirit's going to do that work. And they're like, oh, so you're going to restore the kingdom. And he's like, no, no, no. You're about to build the kingdom. You're about to build the kingdom. But here's the, the other thing that we kind of see in this is, look, is that Jesus is not greatly concerned with building earthly kingdoms, right? He's about building heavenly kingdoms because what does he say in verse seven? He says, look, it is not for you to know times or periods that the father has set by his own authority. And so what he's doing here is he's setting the stage for the mission of the disciples, ultimately the mission of the church. And so the mission in this moment was the evangelization of the world, right? Like that's what the mission is about to be. And they needed to get going on that mission. It's about to start. We're about to light a fire under you, a Holy Spirit fire, if you will, right? We're about to light that fire under you. And so uh, here's the thing for us this morning is that we can take Jesus's words to heart, right? We should be able to take those words to heart because here's what can happen is we can concern ourselves with so many other things besides kingdom work that God is calling us to do. But what does he want to do? He wants to do kingdom work work. And so we, like the disciples, often ask the wrong question to what he's wanting to do. You see? And so in that, we see a little bit perhaps of ourselves. And so he, again, Jesus, his desire is to build earth, a heavenly kingdom. But our heart is often to build earthly kingdoms. And so in that, man, we get to verse 8. And verse 8, I believe, is one of the most powerful scriptures in all of the book of Acts. And maybe even in the Bible, right? Because here is now this movement that is about to start what we know as the church. But it doesn't come from, hey, disciples, go do this. That's part of it. But it's the empowering of the Holy Spirit on their lives that is going to drive them to do that. Look at verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So look, what he's saying there is don't concern yourselves with these big things that are God matters, but move in the power that I'm giving you to be then my witnesses. And go, and let's get this party started, if you will, right? So last week, Matt brought up Matthew 28, right? The Great Commission. Jesus tells his disciples, go make more disciples, right? And then he dies. And what happens to the disciples? The disciples are like, we don't know what to do next. Like we spent three years with him. He told us what to do, but we're confused. Like what is our next 
step, right? Like, what are we supposed to do? And so it's like Jesus is reaffirming here in the book of Acts, you're still going to do that. And you're going to do that with the power of the Holy Spirit. And the mission here is this, is that you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. But here's the thing. As followers and believers of Jesus, even today, that doesn't end in the Bible. It's still going, right? The story is still being written. Each of us are now called to also be witnesses. Now, you're like, well, you know, if I take an APES test, you know, if you don't know what that is, Ephesians 4, right? Kind of how the way each of us are wired, structured, right? Some of us are maybe wired as an evangelist. We love to tell people about Jesus. That's awesome that you're wired that way, but we are all called to be witnesses. You see, we can't say, well, I'm not a gifted evangelist, so then I can't tell anybody about Jesus. No, we are all called to be witnesses of him. So look here, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. The 11 started it, right? Like they got us into this mess. (laughs) The 11 started it, but we are still called to walk in it. So when we think about a witness, look here. A witness is like a key word that we see throughout the book of Acts as we think about the, start, the beginning of the church, right? So a witness, and so we see it 29 times in the book of Acts, okay? A witness is someone who shares what they have seen or heard. So a witness in a courtroom gives an account, right? The things they've seen and the things that they've heard. Guess what? As a follower and believer of Jesus, as a witness of him, what do you think we share? The things we've seen and the things that we have heard, from him and what he's done, right? The things that he's doing in our lives, the daily, the weekly, the monthly, the ways that he's moving, the ways he's working, that is your witness that you have to share, the things that you have seen him do. And so in that, we are called to be a Holy Spirit-powered witness of Jesus. And thank goodness for the Holy Spirit, right? Thank goodness for the Holy Spirit in our lives and what he's doing. And so for the disciples, this meant they were going to get this whole thing going. The church. This is where it was going to begin. It was going to begin with them. And so he says, look, it's going to start in where? It's going to start in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Now, here's the thing. Jerusalem was the place that he told them to stay, right? Stay here. The Holy Spirit will come. And so Jerusalem is easy for them. Jerusalem is like where they live, right? It's their neighborhood, it's their house, it's their home. These are easy conversations. And so he's like, yeah, we're going to start in Jerusalem and then it's going to spread to Judea. Well, guess what? Judea was still an easy conversation because Judea was still full of Jews. But then he says, Samaria. And they're like, did he just say Samaria? Samaria. Now, Jews and Samaritans, they didn't get along, right? Like, that's why it's such a big deal when Jesus goes to the Samaritan woman at the well, right? Like, they called each other dogs, right? Like, they didn't like each other. They didn't hang out with each other. But Jesus is saying, no, no, the gospel is going to be so great. The gospel is going to be so good that it's going to reach even into Samaria. Oh, and by the way, it's also going to reach to the ends of the earth. Now, again, as far as they could think for the time, right? Little did they know what that was going to look like as the church 
grew. But again, it can only happen with the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, think back, right, through the Gospels, all the things the disciples did. Like the things that Jesus is like just rubbing his head going, oh my gosh, right? Like even the question they just asked. Oh, you're going to build the kingdom. Imagine if they didn't have the Holy Spirit to begin and to start the church. But also for us in the conversations that we have with individuals and people, imagine if we didn't have the Holy Spirit there with us as we were walking through that. And so what we're going to see in the weeks ahead is moment after moment where the Holy Spirit engages a person and the person then becomes a witness for what they've seen Jesus do and what they've seen the Holy Spirit do. And so from there, they're going to begin the journey and the growth of the church. Now, here's the other fun thing that we see in verse 8. Verse 8 is an outline of the book of Acts. Because here's what we see. The reach to Jerusalem is chapters 1 through 7. The reach to Judea and Samaria is chapters 8 and 9. And then the Gentiles in the end of the earth, that's chapter 10 through 28. And so you get this picture of what Jesus is telling them and what the Holy Spirit's going to do. He gets this on the front end. It's almost as though he's repeating himself and saying, this is what you're going to accomplish. This is what's going to happen. This is how your word is going to spread. Now you might be sitting there going, okay, cool. That's all cool. How does that relate to us today? Here we are 2,000 years later, right? Jesus is not sitting in front of us directly telling us these things. Like, How does this relate to me. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to do just a simple exercise this morning, all right? And we're going to take chapter or verse 8, and you're going to put your name everywhere there's a you, okay? So watch this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. So for me, it would say, but Ray will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on Ray, but then there's that next part, and Ray will be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, we're each called to be witnesses, and so the Holy Spirit brings the power, and the Holy Spirit wants to use you. Guess what? It's always been the plan of God to use his people for the advancement of his gospel mission, and you're a part of that. And so that's why it's important for us to then have our one. And so he brings his power, and he brings his power to the believer or to the individual. Guess what? That's you, right? To the witness so that they can be a part of the mission to the neighborhood and to the nation. All right? So let's break down verse 8 a little bit more. All right? So here, here's kind of our first thing we're going this morning. The Holy Spirit brings power to the individual. Okay? The individual we're also going to call the witness. And so Jesus promised in John 14, that he would not abandon his disciples, right? He says, I'm going away, but I'm going to send a counselor for you. I'm going to send a leader, a guide for you. And that counselor is coming. And not only is that counselor coming, but he's going to be around forever and he will always tell the truth. So he says, that's what I'm sending to you. But again, Jesus then dies on the cross and the disciples go, wait a minute, I thought he was going to send somebody. And then he comes back from the dead, and then he says it again here in the book of Acts. I'm going to send somebody. In fact, if you'll wait around a couple days, he's going to show up, right? And so then we see it. And in Acts 1, he's telling them again one last time, look, the Holy Spirit will give you each power, each of you, 
You're going to receive power, and each of you are going to be then my witnesses. You're going to go out, and you're going to get this thing going. And even then, we're going to see next week, he ascends into heaven, and they're sitting there going, wait a minute, he's leaving. Why is he leaving? And then an angel has to come down and just go, guys, it's time to go. Let's get moving. Let's get rolling, right? And so from there, thank goodness, again, the Holy Spirit is around, right? The Holy Spirit is there to help them. And so when we personalize this and we personalize it to ourself and to our one, look here, we can often sometimes get into that, that same like headspace, right? Like, well, you know, what if, what if they ask the big theological question that I don't know? Or what if, but here's the thing, understand that the Holy Spirit is with you. Let's go back to verse eight for just a second. Look, does it say you will be my scaredy cat? No, it says you will receive power, right? The Holy Spirit will come on you and you will then be my witnesses in power. And look here, the same Holy Spirit that was promised to the disciples, the same Holy Spirit that was given to the disciples is the same Holy Spirit that you and I through, as a believer have access to. There's not a Holy Spirit 2.0 or a Holy Spirit 2022 version that has less power. The same power is present for you as a believer. And that promise that Jesus makes to his disciples, he is making to you. The Holy Spirit will come on you and power will come upon you for the witness, for the sharing of the witness. So again, when you think about that name or that face, that person, you're one. Understand that you have the Holy Spirit behind you as you step out in this conversation, as you step out on this journey, all right? So the Holy Spirit brings power to the individual. Next, the Holy Spirit brings power to the mission, now, what did we say the mission was? Sharing the message of Jesus, being a witness for him, right? Beginning the share and the spread of the truth of Jesus and who he was. And so in the next couple chapters, we're going to see that Peter steps up in power for the mission. Like back in the Gospels, we see Peter sitting around a fire and a little, little girl walks up and goes, you were with him. And he's like, no, 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 I wasn't with him. But then in chapter 2 of Acts, Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, stands up in front of a multitude of people, and he goes, yes, I was with him. Yes, I love him. Yes, you killed him. Ouch. And all of you need to repent and be baptized because you're covered in sin. That's a little bit different Peter than we see in the Gospels, isn't it? But why is that? The Holy Spirit is upon him. Power is upon him, and he understands now this calling of the mission and what they are to do, right? And so, look, in Matthew 6, uh, excuse me, 16, 18, we see Jesus makes a promise to Peter. He says, on this rock, on your shoulders, I will build my church. And in the book of Acts, we get to see it, right? Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, begins to build the church. From that first point, there in Acts chapter 2. It starts with him, and it starts with the message that he shares. And so now a coward is a conqueror, right? Someone who is very weak and scared of a child is now strong and steps up and leads the way. Peter is now, as the kids say, he's lit, right? Like he's, he's on fire, and so he starts the mission. But here's what else we see in verse 8. The Holy Spirit brings power to 
the neighborhood. The neighborhood. Now, here's the thing. I don't want to give too much away, okay? But because over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be walking through the book of Acts. But, but here's the thing. Spoiler alert. You ready? The church grows, right? The church grows from this point here in Jerusalem, from this first kind of message and sermon that Peter gives. The church grows, but we get to see this very first moment here, right? And so Peter and the 11, at this point it's 12 because they've replaced Judas, right? They start what we see in verse 8. It comes to fruition. It begins to happen, right? And the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And what are they? They are his witnesses. And as they are his witnesses, then the church grows. More people come into relationship with him. More people begin to follow him. And the church begins to be what the church is going to be. But it starts in Jerusalem. Now, the fun thing in Acts chapter 2 is that we see it starts in Jerusalem in the neighborhood, right? The people they know, but what starts in the neighborhood also reaches to the nations. Because nations have come to Jerusalem for Pentecost, and they're there. And and so Peter stands up in the boldness of the Holy Spirit, and he teaches and he preaches, and the nations are there, right there in his neighborhood. And so what we need to understand is this. Look, when we reach our neighborhoods, we also have the possibility and the opportunity to reach nation. We can reach other people who perhaps would never know or hear of Jesus and who he is. So why would he give us a template like that? Like, why would he lay out a template like this? Well, here's the interesting thing. Because we're called to our neighborhood first. You're called to the people that you have relationship with. It's this unique dynamic, right? Where the Lord has built relationships in your life and he wants to use you through the power of the Holy Spirit to be his witness to those people. And so that changes how we look at each and every relationship, right? And the new person that we connect with or the new person we meet in line and we hit it off, right? Like that is the person that perhaps God is calling you to be a witness to, to share the truth of who he is. It starts in the neighborhood. Let me put it like this. What if every Sunday we gathered here, right? And we started out in the parking lot. We all pulled in and we prayed. And then we all drove over to Independence and did our ministry and our work there. Does that make any sense? Or let's take it a step further. What if every Sunday we came here, we all drove down to the executive airport right here in North Uh, Kansas City, right? Or just north of us here. And we got on a plane and we all flew to Chicago and we did our services there and we did our our, our outreach and then we came back home. Does that make much sense? No, because God has called us to our neighborhood, our Jerusalem, and to love on the people that he has put us right here. Now, here's the thing. It now spreads to Judea, right? So God has called us to Kansas City. Kansas City's our place to reach. Kansas City's our place to love. Our neighbors that we know and we do life with and we work together, those are the people that he's calling us to reach. Through what? Through the power of his Holy Spirit. But again, we can reach nations while reaching our neighbors because the Holy Spirit is at work in all places. And you're going to have a greater impact with that one that you know. If each of us reach out to our one, we're going to have a greater impact than we all reach out to a random Joe or Joette. You have a one 
you have a person that God is desiring for you to then reach. But again, we will have greater impact. So the Holy Spirit, look here, empowers the individual or the witness with a mission to reach their neighborhood. And then the Holy Spirit brings power to the nation. You see, to the ends of the earth. Now, here's the thing. The spreading of the church, and we're going to see this in later chapters of the book of Acts. We're going to spend all summer in the book of Acts, by the way, just a heads up, okay? And so as we're doing that, you see Gentile journeys, right? Churches are being planted, but from the global scale for the disciples, look, the ends of the earth really didn't look like the ends of the earth look like for us today. Like it hit a little different, if you will, right? Because if you go down to Egypt and you go into the northern part of Africa, for them, there's now this large impassable desert on the other side of it. Right? If you go down the Arabian Peninsula, there you find a few towns and different things, but then there's another big stretch of desert. And then if you move up to uh, out into Italy and in Rome, right, and the Roman Empire and all that they had conquered, the Roman Empire had only made it so far to the east. Is that right? East? Yeah. And then there's these massive bodies of water. And so the ends of the earth were not that great for them at that time. But at the same time, they're going, wow, that's a long ways. Because it was a long ways, right? But Jesus is saying, no, no, look, empowered by the Holy Spirit, you're going to reach even those places. Now, here's the funny thing. I, this is how Ray's brain works, okay? So just a moment. But he says the ends of the earth. What's the earth? It's a circle. It's round. There is no end to the earth. So guess what? He's going to reach all places. He's going to reach all spaces. And as the, as the opportunity to travel grew, right? As the opportunity to see other places, as technology increased, guess what? The message of Jesus didn't end. And so what started with these 12 empowered individuals is now even made it to the point of you and I sitting here today. And so when we break that down and we go, wow, the power of the Holy Spirit, yes, the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't like run out as it expands, right? The power is still there for the message to be shared. And so we each as a part of the church are a part of this Holy Spirit powered mission. I mean, how fun is that? To the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth. Now, Here's the thing. I've had conversations with people in the past, and they're like, you got to have international missions, right? Like, I was our missions pastor in Arkansas before I moved here, and people would come to me, and they're like, why do you not have an international mission trip planned yet, right? Kind of when I took over and we restructured some things. And even here in the beginning days of our church, some folks have even left our church because they're like, you don't have an international missions thing. And here's the thing. Like, if we can't reach our neighborhood first, and we don't share the message of Jesus here first, that doesn't magically change when you get on an airplane, right? So if we can't meet our Jerusalem and we can't reach our Judea, which I feel like God has called us to first, then why would we then take it all the way across the ocean? You see? Now, there will be a day that we have international missions. Yes, because we're called to bring it to the ends of the earth, but I think we're supposed to start right here where God has placed right here where God has put us, in your workplace, in your home, in your families. And from there, it what? It spreads, it expands. 
And it grows as we share it more. So again, verse 8. But blank, you, me, us, will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on us. You, me, us, and you, me, us, will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, this morning you're going, okay, that's awesome. I'm behind that, <laughs> right? Like, I like the Holy Spirit, yeah. But what are some practical things we can do, some practical steps that we can take? Well, here's the thing. Throughout this series, we, we've got you some practical tools, all right? So the first one is this, uh, and I think Matt talked about it last week, or at least I think he did because there's flags out there, but what we'd love for you to do is take this little pin, okay, not this pin, but there's a basket of pins out there, okay? Take a pin and place it where your one is, okay, where your person is or where your workplace is or where your whatever you feel like God is calling you to be praying over as your one. We want you to take one of these little guys and put it in our little map right out here in the lobby, okay? Now, if you're outside of the circle that is represented on the map, you can put it on the edge or something like that, okay? But we want you to take this as kind of a visual of, yes, I am praying for this person, okay? And then we're going to continue to pray over those individuals. We're going to continue to pray for those people. You're one. And so here's the other practical step is this. If you don't know who your one is yet, all right, it's time to figure out who's your one. Because we're all, I believe, called to have a one. And you may have a two and a three and a four and a five. That's great. That's awesome. Right? But we're all called to at least one. And so you're like, okay, so how do I find my one? Well, here's the thing. We've got some little sheets printed out for you out there on the table. Okay? You can grab one of these on the way out. And here's the thing. Here's the headings. All right? How to find your one. Pretty practical. Right? The next thing is this. How do you serve your one? And the third one is, how do you start a conversation with your one? And it has literal questions here that you can start your conversation with your one. And if you're like, well, you know, I don't know if I want to carry this sheet around. Guess what? We got these handy little note cards right here that you can carry around. Or you could tear one out and put it in your wallet. Now, again, I don't know how weird this would be if you're like having a conversation with somebody. You pull this out and you're like, hey, what's the key to human happiness, as this one says? But maybe you use this each night before you go to bed and you just kind of flip through a couple so that you're ready tomorrow. Hey, I've got these questions that perhaps I could bring up. But here's the thing I think that we so often do is we so often complicate this, right? We make it much harder than it is. We, we look at evangelistic plans and we go, oh, I've got to have this perfect plan and I've got to say the exact right thing. Guess what? I can guarantee you the disciples didn't say this exact right thing. We see that, right? Like we have... Testimony after testimony of the disciples not saying the right thing. But also, you have the power of the Holy Spirit behind you. The power of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses to the nation. Let's go. Right? Let's go. And so as the band comes back up, we're going to do just kind of an extended time of worship here to kind of close up. But I want to give you an example, all right? Just kind of a practical example of something that happened to me two weeks ago. All right, so I'm at Family Tree Nursery, walking down the aisle, and I see one of our ladies from our food pantry. And like, I recognize her. She's told me her name several times 
And I'm terrible with names, if you know me well, right? Funny, thank you, Lord, for being a pastor and be terrible with names. Great, awesome. Anyway, and so I walked up to her, and you're like, well, okay, yeah, I've seen this person, but I don't remember their name. Guess what I did? I walked up, and I said, I know you've told me your name. I'm, I just bite the bullet, right? I know you've told me your name several times. What is your name? Remind me. I said, Karen. I said, Karen, it's great to see you. And she's on crutches, and she has a knee brace on. I said, what happened? You know, we're having this conversation. And then she's talking about some of the financial things that have worked out for her. And she says, if somebody doesn't believe in a God, I don't know how they do it. Now, here's the thing. We can respond to that one of two ways, right? We can typically go, oh, she's a believer. It's taken care of. Or we can figure out what that means for her, right? And so I said, hey, Miss Karen, I've never asked you where you go to church. Where do you go to church? But she opened the door, right? She opened the door by saying that. And that's those moments that we got to look for, right? Those little moments where you can jump in and go, oh, there's, there's something, right? There's something there. And so I said, where do you go to church? She says, well, I typically just watch on TV on Sunday morning. I said, okay. I didn't say okay, I'm thinking okay. And then I said, if you ever need a local church to be a part of, you know right where to find us, right? You know right where to find us, and we'd love to have you. And she said, I might consider doing that. Was there a deep, deep theological conversation? No. Did I even get the opportunity to present the gospel in that moment? No. But Miss Karen, who's a regular at our food pantry, now knows that our door is open, and we would love to have her come in that door. You see, it could be as simple as that. But it's got to start there. And then our confidence builds and our encouragement builds and we reach then our one. Okay? So let me pray for us this morning.